Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring the strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working part-time at my private practice and part-time at a community mental health agency in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and an owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. And please refer to your state guidelines and licensing boards for any ethical concerns. And please remember to subscribe and follow our podcast and on Instagram. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. We're excited to have you here today. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, an article that we found on the Trauma Project's website and how that kind of inspired more conversation around EMDR, the ancient wisdom of our nervous system, and how to be authentic in whatever modality resonates with your, your personality. And as always, we will link the article in the show notes. One of the most interesting things about this article is um, the author talks about EMDR and he's being curious about whether is EMDR, what's I think that's titled, is EMDR really 30 years old? Yep. And he shares, for those of you that aren't familiar, EMDR, I think ever since it aired on Grey's Anatomy, is mm-hmm. quite famous now, the last year or two. <laughs> yes. But it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing and was founded by Francine Shapiro in, I think, 89 or 90, 1990. Wow. Um, yeah, a while ago. And the most bizarre thing that he notes, this author, is the bilateral stimulation. So that could be with eye movements or tapping. There's a variety of ways that therapists will implement that. Uh, we encourage you to go to Emdria's website if you want to learn more about EMDR specifically. It's Emdria, E-M-D-R-I-A.org. One of the most interesting things that he talks about in this article is what is it that makes EMDR effective? Is it really 30 years old or have we re-found our way into something that our nervous system has already known how to do for a long time? Yeah, when you had sent me the article, I scrolled down to look at the comments and there were mm-hmm. lots of folks who were agreeing with what the article said and shared how ancient tribes have been doing this work for generations. Yeah. Um, and somebody specifically talked about the massacre that had happened in Rwanda and okay. how that community came together using rhythm and dance and bilateral movement. Yeah. And that is one of the most intriguing things that he talked about is that if it was just the bilateral stimulation, drummers would be the most healthy people on the planet, right? And that's just not true. No, I know that. I know a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't allowed to date drummers growing up for that reason. So <laughs> sorry to any drummers out there, but same with like runners, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that running can be a helpful way to like walk and talk mm-hmm. is a thing because it can help you process Yes, um, or running is helpful. That's really healthy, the bilateral swimming, mm-hmm. but it's not like marathon runners are also the most healthy integrated people around, right? It's not just the bilateral. And he talks about three things. He talks about memory activation, deep noticing, and the bilateral. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that got Kelly and I talking about 
EMDR, and it's probably the reason why so many other modalities are effective because with deep noticing and memory activation and in the warmth of relationship with the therapist, I mean, that's really the healing. That's probably why EMDR is certainly not the only way to heal. No, mm-hmm. no. I remember going to a training early on in my career. I had not been trained in EMDR yet and I had been told like, you have to be trained in EMDR. Yes. And I really appreciated the person that was speaking. And they said, EMDR is a fabulous approach. Mm-hmm. It works very well. It is also not the only thing that heals trauma. Mm-hmm. One thing that they pointed out is it's actually particularly good for new therapists because um, it can kind of help move the process along versus mm-hmm. where a new therapist may have a harder time sitting in the process longer. It was helpful for a new therapist to do EMDR or to not do it? To do it. To do it. Yeah. yeah I could say see it was that. a good modality for a new therapist to have. Yeah. And because I think it is structured, I mean, it's mm-hmm. eight phases, there's a protocol. So that does really soothe the left brain's need to know. Yes. Um, We've touched on this in other episodes, but like, how do you do a protocol and stay connected and not get too rigid Um, can be so hard in any modality. But I find because I do EMDR often, um, Mm -hmm. I find that that comes up a lot with, you know, having intention, but not this rigidity around we have to be in phase such and such or. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thinking about DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. Uh, Marsha Linehan created DBT. And um, there's homework involved yep. in it. And I believe in the most kind of certified or structured DBT, there are actually like follow-up phone calls in between sessions. Mm-hmm. And I would be curious about folks who maybe get in that rigidity about following up with homework or a phone call. And I'm sure that Marshall Linehan has shared another therapist too, that it's just noticing if a client doesn't bring homework or a phone call. Right. However... I think that when you have an evidence-based protocol, folks end up getting very rigid about what needs to happen. And I've experienced that as a client. Mm -hmm. So in doing specifically EMDR, and so I'm very biased now. I love EMDR. I think it works great with other things I love, like sand tray or play therapy. And um, But as a client, I had a really bad experience with a previous therapist years ago of like feeling like I wasn't doing it right. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't, we never cleared the target at one time she just contained it. And I really got the impression like this was too much for my therapist Mm -hmm. or so how could it not be too much for me? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think as the client experiencing like this rigidity, we have to process, we have to do this target. What do you mean you can't find your safe place? You know, kind of thing has been helpful as a clinician now having done really good EMDR as a client Mm -hmm. to kind of come full circle and like feel somatically. I feel a difference. Even as I think of both of these therapists, Mm -hmm. I feel so I literally feel held by the one who's done such good patient work with me and like held so much compassion no matter what comes up, even if it's nothing mm-hmm. in between with EMDR, you do sets um, of like the bilateral mm-hmm. and kind of notice what's coming up. And um, there was not this, I knew that it wouldn't be too much. And I knew that she was going to help hold, even if it was nothing yeah. like, Oh, I'm thinking about my grocery list. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, like notice that, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to exactly what we've said in this article. I said, you had two therapists who both did bilateral with yes, you. Yes, exactly. The difference yes. is <laughs> one was uh, very present with you and yeah. obviously has had some deep noticing. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that my experience is similar. And so I also had a therapist that um, for whatever reason, the EMDR did not work well for me. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know if I just wasn't in a space to do that or um, if this particular therapist had, you know, maybe another agenda or it was also difficult to like be rigid around the protocol. Yeah. I do remember that a lot of the stories or like negative cognitions that came up for me were around shame. Mm -hmm. And I remember being asked like, oh, you're always feeling so much shame. Oh. And I was like, yeah, now I'm feeling now you're shame about me. shame, oh. you know, and um, oh. it was hard. So now when I attempt to do EMDR with clients, I don't have this like felt experience. Mm-hmm. And, and I really think that I need that to be yeah. able to do an intervention well. Yeah. And certainly the great thing about EMDR 1 and EMDR 2 when you get trained is that you do have to practice it on yourself in the trainings. Right. Uh, but you're doing it with people that are also just learning it. I know. And so I think some people have really great experiences. I also just did not have good experiences. Oh, me neither. <sighs> so I felt, it, yes, it was terrible. And I'm like, how dare this training tell me to pick like a not too upsetting thing? Yeah. Of course, it's going to go to the root, which is a very upsetting thing yes. for most people. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And... Again, what we're talking about is there needs to be relationship. That's where the safety is. Then the EMDR can happen. I am not going to process EMDR in this training. In like the 12 hours you have that weekend together. Yes. Between months of meeting is usually how it is. Yeah. 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 So I I struggle uh, using EMDR with clients. I really want to use it. I really want it to work. I'm EMDR certified. I've done a lot of it. But I do not feel present. I don't feel like I can sit with my client. I am in my head. I'm that floating head you talked about. (laughs) From the first episode, maybe? Yeah. Second. I think second. I I think that, well, one question I was going to ask, and you're kind of answering it, is like, how do we how do we stay authentic when we're learning something new or if we don't have it, part of what you're answering is like it's helpful for us as therapists to have that felt experience with another mm-hmm. maybe it's a hopefully a therapist but maybe it's just a really like a really helpful mentor or like a best friend or not doing EMDR but giving you that felt safety around something new yes um but i'm thinking like when we graduate, hopefully all of us nestle into like our favorite modality where we like try different things. And there is so much rigidity when you're new, you're learning something new. How do we do that authentically? I would say that when I was learning new things, I can relate to this piece that you're talking about with rigidity. Mm-hmm. And also speaking of EMDR, I really rushed through getting my um, EMDR and EMDR2 done. I think I okay. got them both done in a month. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's not the way to do it. it. Sure. We should not be rushing through things. We need to let things like marinate within us to really get a felt sense. Yeah. And thankfully, since I had that experience, my training since then, I have had, you know, outside of EMDR, I had that experience and now I know I have to slow down. Mm-hmm. I have to take my time with this. And so the last big training I did, I believe, was TheraPlay Level 1. Yeah. And... I just was very authentic to the parents that I was already working with Mm -hmm. and saying, I'm going to this training. I really want to try this with you all when Mm -hmm. I get back. And then when I got back, all right, like um, this is going to feel a little different than what we normally do in session. It's going to feel different for me. It's going to feel different for you. Yeah. And when we got stuck, I ran into things. I was totally able to say, you know, I actually don't know. Um, I'm going to do some consultation around this and ask somebody who's much more seasoned and experienced in this. As you know, uh, this is a new modality for me. And so yeah. I don't want to um, steer you in the wrong way. Yes. 
years ago, I would have never said, I don't know. Isn't that so (sighs) funny though, that we get to say that? Yeah. Like we get to say, and I tell my supervisees that Mm -hmm. like, it's okay to be like, I don't know, but let me check with my supervisor or, but as more seasoned clinician, I think that I can, that can still come up for me. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I should know Mm -hmm. when I, I still, of course, will not know, like will not know everything. Or when you're doing something new, have to say, I remember Erica Bonham. She is the owner of Avos Counseling here in Arvada. She certified me in EMDR a couple of years ago and she taught me this really cool like interweave resourcing, not interweave, it's like a resourcing thing. And I told her, gosh, I haven't done that with these clients. I like missed it because she's talking about how you do that in the beginning mm-hmm. with clients as a good assessment tool for EMDR. And she looked at me and she's like, just tell them you learned something new and you'd want to try it. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I get to say that. Like there's a lot of life in just telling people, hey, I learned this new thing. And that has brought so much breath, like literal breath into, I can learn new things and bring it into the client space whenever I want. And that sounds very simple, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that I would have done that at all either years ago to say, I don't know, or I learned something new Yeah, as if I have to act like I know everything to that client. Well, I'm curious about why I felt that way. It almost feels like I was in a state of fear Yeah, for me to to be so held strong that I can't say, I don't know. It was right. almost like I was in this um, state of like hyper arousal. Yes. Yeah. If like now not being in that space for the most part as a therapist, mm-hmm. it feels stressful to even talk about that. Yes. Like it feels like, oh my gosh, that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> like I wish someone would have told me I can say, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. actually... I think it is coming up for me. I recently have had um, some things that have come up on my caseload that I don't have a ton of training around. And so I am getting some consultation around it. And somebody asked me a question and I couldn't directly say, I don't know. I fumbled around for a little bit. And as I noticed I was fumbling, I caught my breath and said, you know, I guess as I'm listening to myself talk, I don't know. But I'm going to get some consultation (laughs) and I'm going to, I'm going to get the answer for you. Yeah. But it was the fumbling. What did that feel like in your body? That might show up differently for everybody, but I think that's helpful to talk through. Well, I certainly felt like I was like being jolted around. I know like my shoulders are moving (laughs) left and right. I can't imagine what I looked like on the Zoom call. (sighs) You know, I'm sure my eyes were going everywhere, but it felt very disorienting. Yes. Yeah. It sounds. And I think that that not that Dan Siegel's like um, rigidity and chaos? Mm-hmm. Like I feel that as a therapist too. Like if I'm really rigid about something, even not knowing that I am like a protocol or even just a way of working with a case, like, well, we're doing Eliana Gill's developmental play-based assessment and like we have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And then when it starts to not go that way mm-hmm. or my plan is thrown off, then I go towards exactly like fumbling and kind of chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um And that's really hard to hold this like rigid to chaos. Where is it in between? He Mm -hmm. calls it like a stream. Yeah. Like the river of. Yes. I don't Mental wellness. Yes. That's what it is. (laughs) It's so poetic. Yes. But that says it. Drowning in the river. (laughs) Flailing. (laughs) Or stuck on the rock because I'm rigid. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I wonder if that's what it is of. I'm going to, I'm, I'm feeling this chaos. Mm-hmm. So I move over to rigidity and, and have to have an answer, right? Yeah. That's rigidity. Yeah. And so the ability to say, I don't know, yes. moves it into the, the river of mental health. <laughs> Just floating on your life raft. Yes. <laughs> like, 
I think going back to just other modalities and when we're learning something new, how do we kind of balance staying present while learning something new? And I'm thinking about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. uh, solution focused therapy, EFT, emotion focused therapy, uh, narrative therapy. You know, obviously I can go on, but yeah. a lot of those have these really specific questions that you can ask folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love using them. Yeah. Right. I, I love solution focused therapy questions. Uh, I love narrative therapy questions. Mm-hmm. I've not been formally trained in either one, mm-hmm. but. I can imagine that if I was, and I know all these questions that I could ask that I may either at the beginning of my career or possibly now be in my head about what's the next right question. Yes. This is where DBT gets me Mm -hmm. because I've been informally trained, Mm -hmm. but there's all these acronyms. Yes. Like I just can't remember. And I'm like, is it called? It is called a wise mind. But in my mm-hmm. brain, I'm like, I, I think of it differently of like regulated state or mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to remember the acronyms and the worksheets. And but I love embodying like radical acceptance. Yes. You know, so that's I think that's OK as therapists to find like you're saying, like narrative therapy, even as you're talking about it, you've got the smile on your face and you like settled <laughs> in the couch. And like I can tell that that's like one that just you live out probably, Mm -hmm. you know, but then not getting too rigid about the certain protocol and we have to be careful. So things like EMDR Mm -hmm. are evidence-based. It is important to adhere to Mm -hmm. those phases. Yes. But then when we think about EMDR as like a, like a way of working with people, Mm -hmm. maybe we're not in what's called a phase four, like processing, Mm -hmm. but we are looking at it through the lens of like negative beliefs positive beliefs, what are the different targets? So it's kind of a way of being with clients too. Yes. In that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. And I'm tying it back to what we've talked about in other episodes. We have to do our work first so we can have compassion for ourselves during a learning curve. Yeah. If we have not done work on ourselves, the compassion cannot come when we're trying to learn something and there's going to be a learning curve with each of them. Yeah. I'm wondering if we could say some mantras like self-compassion mantras as therapists Mm. um i will be honest and say i kind of am annoyed with mantras because they never and maybe this is actually really related to interpersonal neurobiology Mm -hmm. the phrase really does not enter my mind in the moment i need it Mm. so i don't know why i do this with clients because it doesn't work with me but is there like a phrase that is helpful for you when you're trying to have self-compassion or i know for me i i really will put my hand on my heart in the middle of session to just be like noticing if I feel like I'm fumbling yeah, or as I say something like, I don't know, I might like just do that kind of loving holding, like when I would call it for myself. Yeah. So I do a lot more somatic stuff, but is there like a mantra for you or that we would want to give to the listener? You're new at this and that's okay. Or we can't get it right. That's not human. We don't always get it right. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm having a hard time with this, I fully Love and accept myself. Yes. I got that, I think, from a. I love that. Jan Shad is the one that taught that at a training okay. I was at, but I don't know where she got that from. But yeah, yeah. I love that. Yes. I think as you're speaking too, if we're sitting in a room with a client, you actually could start the session by saying, hey, if we become dysregulated or start to mm-hmm. notice we're having a struggle, what's a mantra that we could try and use? Then we're practicing having yes. it come up in the moment. Yes. You're the regulated person. You get to hold that mantra for them. Yep. And then you get to remind them when maybe they become highly activated. Yes. That's so good to anticipate that that's going to come up. Mm -hmm. 
Because as we get close to pain, that will always kind of our strategy is going to come up with people. Yes. And then as therapists, when when we get close to our pain, that comes up in the room too. As we're talking about this, it's reminded me of what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago of having some compassion for ourselves when mm-hmm. learning a new intervention or theory. It's going back to tying our shoes or walking. Mm. I mean, I don't remember how hard it was to walk or to tie my shoes, but imagine it took some time. Yeah. I'm sure it was a struggle and I'm sure that I was very frustrated. <laughs> but now I'm not thinking about walking. Mm-hmm. I don't think about tying my shoes. I just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that just comes with learning anything is yeah. that we have to be really concentrated and focused and do something over and over and over mm-hmm. until all of a sudden it's in the back of our mind to where we're just doing it naturally. Yeah. And so... If you can try and remember maybe a a learning point of something else that you had where it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, that was really hard, but I did it over and over and over. And now I have room in the front of my mind to learn some other things because this is in the back and this just naturally comes up for me. Yeah, I love that. So we've gotten good feedback about ending with a question. And unless you have a different one, Kelly, the one in my mind is, can you find one client to practice self-compassion with for yourself in the moment, whether that's a breath or something somatic or a literal phrase. Maybe it's one that we've talked about today or something that comes to you as you reflect on the case, Um, particularly if you're learning something new. Yes. Can we do that just one time or be curious about times that that would be helpful if we kind of miss it? And we would love to hear your experience with that. We would. Thanks for being with us. Take care.